This is episode number 1146 with owner of the Utah Jazz and founder of Qualtrics, Ryan Smith. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Bruce Lee said, always be yourself, express yourself, have faith in yourself. Do not go out and look for a successful personality and duplicate it. And Napoleon Hill said, think twice before you speak because your words and influence will plant the seed of either success or failure in the mind of another. So excited about today's guest. His name is Ryan Smith. I had a great time with him. He is the CEO and co-founder of Qualtrics, one of the leading platforms that helps gather and analyze data from customers and employees to use for market research, which he started out of his father's basement with his brother and his father. He was included in Fortune's 40 Under 40 in 2016, and Qualtrics was acquired for $8 billion in 2019. And in 2020, he's become the owner of the Utah Jazz NBA team. Ryan is also a philanthropist. He's the co-founder and board member of Five for the Fight, which is a global campaign to gather funds for cancer research by donating $5. And in this episode, we discuss a lot of different things. One is why you should stop chasing money, how to balance priorities in the pursuit of success, how hitting rock bottom in a new country all by himself transformed Ryan's life forever, the most underrated skill to have in life right now, how he became the owner of the Utah Jazz, and so much more. And if you're enjoying this, make sure to share this with someone that you think would be inspired as well. You can copy and paste this link wherever you're listening to this or use the link lewishouse.com slash 1146. As well as if this is your first time here, please subscribe over on Apple Podcasts right now. Just click the subscribe button and leave us a review if at any point you're enjoying this conversation. Okay, in just a moment, the one and only Ryan Smith. Welcome back everyone to School of Greatness Podcast. Very excited about our guest today. We are here at the Utah Jazz Practice Facility with the owner, Ryan Smith, my man. What's up, man? Good to see you, How man. are you? Doing very good, excited to connect with you. You've gotta be one of the most chill, relaxed billionaires I've ever met, that, that you focus on your family and your wife first, is what I've learned from you, what I've read about you, when I've seen you talk in other interviews. You've got five kids, you care deeply about your wife, you care deeply about your faith, and you're on a mission to change lives as well. And I love learning about that. Why, how have you stayed humble in the pursuit of success and building a business that has been this massive business and now being majority owner of the Utah Jazz, but also been committed to family and faith? Because it seems like we see most people aren't able to do both. Yeah, I mean, so first of all, like depending on the day, you might ask my wife, she might disagree, <laughs> you know, who's first and what goes on, right, because right, that's right. just part of the grind. Of course. Um, but I think it's aspirational, right? Yeah. Like, um, and humble, I don't know if it's something that anyone's ever described me as, but I try my best. I, I think that the idea is maybe like, how do you not change that much, right? Um, so, so first of all, like, that's what makes you happy. Like, mm-hmm. if you take family and, you know, your true North Star out of the equation, like, you can get lost pretty easy in this world. Yes. And I think it limits everything. I think it limits your potential. I think it limits what you can do for other people. 
And so for me and my family, like having faith that we know where we're going and why, and when times get weird, you always have an anchor or a new North Star to go to is like priority number one, mm -hmm. right? And without that, it's hard. And, and everyone can find that, right? In something. Um, and then who do you want to go with? Like, um, I want to go with my people. I want to go with my family and my wife and like the people that we're growing with to that, to that destination or, or wherever it is we're going along the journey. And like, um, and they remind you, mm. they remind you like, Hey Ryan, like, you know, everyone thinks this balance is, is this idea that we've got like this completely balanced life. It's, that's not what balance is. Like, this is an airplane, like one wing is in the water at all times or down. Right. And you just gotta have people around you that are like, hey, Ry, like, dude, you're not bringing it this week. <laughs> or like, hey, man, like, this is not who I married. Like, you've gotta get that other wing up. Will your wife and, call you out on those oh, things? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, all really? the time. Like, I haven't seen you in a week. Like, what's right. going on? Or it's been two weeks. And look, you're gonna have parts of your life, like, like if we've had a child, like, everything else shifts to the family or someone's sick or, you know, when, when Qualtrics was going public, like it was off balance right, this way. Right. The key is that you get it back. You keep getting it back. And it's not, if, if you take a look at balance within a month or a day or maybe even a quarter, you're going to have it tilted, but you've got to look at it and say, Hey, over a period of a year or six months or three months, like how, how do you, do you balance that out? Right. And I think that we can line up to that yeah, as, yeah. as humans. Right. Like we can't control life and what happens because one wing or one thing will always be, you know, the Off major yeah. and then something else is the minor. And it sounds right? like, I mean, if you're building your business and launching it, there's going to be a lot of momentum and energy yeah. for months or years building something. You're not going to have that balance with everything else in your life as well. Uh, but it sounds like if you can recorrect it and spend more time with family for a period of time, go back to business, then that's kind of been your approach, right? Yeah, I mean, look, we started, I mean, Qualtrics was 20 years of just that, of just, just grinding. Grind. Like, like, I mean, there's, I feel like there's very few people who went through our journey, yeah. right? Being in Provo, Utah, not raising venture capital, doing it ourselves. Like, nothing was handed to us. And so there were times where, you kind of needed that that correction yes and but what people don't understand is that correction actually charged the batteries mm -hmm. to make you go further right so it's a little counterintuitive that if you if you burn all the way like you limited yeah. the upside of everyone right everyone around you right. that you can you can try to impact with was the what was the mindset for you 20 years ago in building this was it i'm gonna you know be a build this multi-billion dollar company to exit? Am I going, to, is it all about money focus and driven around that? Or what was the mindset to growing it to where it's been today? I, I mean, we weren't, we didn't have a mindset. Like, I think, I think this achieved everything that we thought it was gonna achieve probably years ago. You didn't think that was gonna happen? We, 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 Early didn't, on. we didn't let ourselves dream. I mean, there was dreams, but when you're when you're in it and you're in the grind, you, you can't see more than about ninety days in yeah, front of you. Just, how do we make some money? How do we get some right, more savings? Right. How, do, how do you survive? And yeah. like like yeah, we'd go through our annual planning and we'd be uh -huh. like, oh wow, like there was no five year vision. 
There might have been on our product side. Yes. But there wasn't on how does five-year, like, I don't have that now. I don't have this five-year plan, like, okay, for our business, this is what's going to happen in five years. I mean, we went from raising money one year to selling a year later to IPO two years later. No one had that in their plans. Crazy. And right? And so I think that you, we were just putting our heads down and going and staying focused and trying to execute and do it as a team and not worry about probably more than anything like who got the credit or who was right, mm-hmm. more that we're right, or maybe we can do it. And, and I think that that's lifted everyone and every, everything. And so, so there hasn't been this, hey, this is the destination or the mm-hmm. end point. Mm-hmm. It's been, let's just be opportunistic at every possible checkpoint that there is. Yes. And let's just assume that we're gonna work till we're 80. I'm going to work till I'm 80. Right. I don't want to retire. I could have probably done that. Like, I'm going to work till I'm 80. Whether I mentally have said that's what I'm going to go do, I just know myself at this point. Mm-hmm. I keep jumping into things, right. whether I like it or not. So it's probably easier to say, hey, Ryan, do you see yourself as an 80-year-old or an 85-year-old hanging it up? The answer is no. No. Why is that? So, I don't know. Like, because this <laughs> isn't how I was as a kid. Like, I believe that when you're building things and you're building platforms, um, first of all, you can do a lot of good. Like the scariest thing for me is when mm-hmm. it's just me and there's not a platform, there's not a Qualtrics, there's not a Jazz, there's not something else because the power of getting groups of people together yeah. to go do big things is addicting. And right. the impact that you can see that you can have is also addicting. And so, so you're saying when you mean a platform, you mean it's, it's better to have a community, whether it's employees or a team involved, as opposed to I've exited, I've got all this cash, and it's just me by myself. Is that what you mean? For me, yeah. 100%. Like, right. no one needs that Ryan in the world. <laughs> right? Like, what is that version? Family, what is that version? I, of you? I, I don't know, but like every time that's come into the cards, like we've turned away no. from that <laughs> yeah. very quickly. Really? And so it's, and I think it, like, if you actually think about it, it's businesses, it's organizations, it's nonprofits, it's groups of people that actually change the world. Yeah. Right? And, and you know, sometimes one individual gets a lot of credit. Uh-huh. But if you look at those people who we believe have changed the world, whether it's Elon or Bezos or whoever it is in whatever area, like, there's a whole group of people mm-hmm. that are working together on a mission. It's not one person. Right. And so, that's addicting to me. Sure, sure. And... You know, that's something that, I don't know, keeps, keeps going. So, so, so saying, hey, I'm going to go tell 80 and like, it, it actually makes that vision go out. Yeah. That we're not sitting here going, hey, we got to do this in five years. Right. Interesting. I mean, I'm 20 years into Qualtrics. So what does that do if you don't have the sense of urgency, like this has got to be done in the next couple of years? You know what? If it happens at 80, that's fine. How, what does that, what the, shifts with Those you? are two different things. Mm. Okay, because I don't think I've ever been described as someone, I'm, I'm actually the opposite. Uh, if, you, if you actually look at my co-founders or people that I'm with, they, they will tell you that I've got too much urgency, right? Interesting. But that can also be destructive yeah. if you think it's all going away in 90 days. Yes. So, you know, part of, huh. part of the things that I found is the older you get in leading people and growing is you have to become really good at managing 
polar opposite emotions. Yes. All right. So give me an example. Well, like at Qualtrics, it's like, um, how do we grow fast but also make money? Yeah. <laughs> how do you care about your people so that you're all a family, but the other point, it's like, you've got to actually run a business. Yeah, you gotta let right? people go and you gotta, yeah. Or at the jazz, it's like, we've got to build to win this season, but we also need to make sure that we have, like, tomorrow will come and there's another uh, season uh, too, uh, uh. right? These are polar opposite emotions. You've got you've to gotta go feel, be fulfilled, but you also have to not turn in so you are what you do. Mm. Right? What I do is different than probably who I am. Who are you? I think, I think, I'm all, I think we're all trying to figure that out a little bit. Um, but it's, I don't know. I, I, I think I'm, right now, I think first and foremost, I'm probably, you know, Ashley's husband and Jet's mm. dad. Yeah. Like, hopefully, like in my head I am. Mm. Um, and, you know, that's, that's where I want to, that's where I want to be, yeah. right? And then with that and all the things that come along with that, like I'm a, I'm a son, you know, I'm a, I'm a chairman, I'm a, I'm a governor here. I have all these other roles. But mm-hmm. first and foremost, this is the one that probably will be the most permanent. Right. Right? And, yeah. And so. Husband and father. Husband, father, yeah. I mean, for, for sure. I yeah. hope, right? Like yeah. always, right? Like, like how long have you been with your wife? Uh, 15 years. 15 years. What's the greatest lesson she's taught you? Oh my gosh. Um, this week? Uh, <laughs> In the last 15 years. Probably number one for Ash is if you are who you are and you're just not trying to be someone else, that the world will come around and accept you for that. Mm. Um, you know, I've got a, I've got a wife who who um, she's just who she is, and she mm. just hasn't changed much throughout the process. And like, um, and just being steady throughout that um, actually matters. It's it's nothing flamboyant. It's nothing that's mm-hmm. extravagant. That's coming. It's it's I'm going to be steady, and I'm going to work hard. And I think I think that she's kept everything grounded. You know, she she grew up in Las Vegas. Um, you know, both of our parents were divorced growing up. Like, it's not like we came from this thriving. And she's just always kind of stayed that person. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's deep, but it's like, it's, it's the core to everything. Because what comes out of that is like hard work matters. Education yeah. matters. Like, um, there's no shortcuts. And, um, and by the way, like, we're just trying our hardest. Yeah. We're, imp- we're completely <laughs> imperfect. Like, Figuring it out, yeah. Life's messy. Right, life's been messy for us like the whole time. I think everyone wants to paint a picture that there's uh-huh. perfection, but like it's freaking messy, bro. Yeah, like especially with five kids, it's probably well, yeah. But like everything, like my upbringing <clears throat> was messy. Like everything, mm-hmm. when you found a company, it's messy. Yeah, you know, and everyone wants this perfection. Like we're we're starting a company, we've got our swag, we've got like our website, our MBA model. It's like mm. that's not how it's gonna work. By the way, like. Right. Like it's uh, it's much more of a roller coaster. Yes. And so I think I think that's that's kind of how we work together. So it's, it's good. That's cool. I want to ask you about money mindset because it seems okay. like it seems like you never really were in things for the money. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong here, but when someone's starting a company and they don't have a lot of money, 
how should they be thinking about their mindset around money in order to not make that the only obsession, but also to help them grow and build financial abundance? It's hard. That's a hard question. Um, because everyone wants to be mission driven. Mm-hmm. Like there's no one I know that, I mean, there are some people who are just like capital, capital, capital. I'm the, I'm the world's biggest capitalist, but like, I think for most people, like mission supersedes financial, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of problems that can be solved when you're not living check to check mm-hmm. and you actually right, have food right. and yeah. all of that. Right. So you can have more strategy. Um, yeah, maybe yeah. not today when you're starting a company, but when we were starting, like, you didn't, like, I, I, I didn't have enough for rent. Like, I didn't mm-hmm. have, I mean, this is what we started. I started in college, right? Aren't you starting out of your dad's basement or something? Yeah, yeah. Like, like, because we didn't have enough money for an office, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like, all these, for five years, right? And so, you look at these things and um, ultimately, like, it shapes who you are. I wouldn't trade it for the world, mm-hmm. but I never want to go back there. Right. <laughs> never. Right? Yeah. You know, a, a lot of times people, people come and they say, hey, look, I'm going to go build something. And when you're building it, you're, you're wishing. Mm. You're wishing for the future. Mm. And, you know, for us, it was like, I'm wishing that, wouldn't it be cool to have a marketing department? Wouldn't it be cool that when you went somewhere and you said the name Qualtrics, actually people knew what it was. Mm. Like just something that simple, Right. Um, wouldn't it be cool that you could hire people and you could have engineers or people to join mm-hmm. you? Wouldn't it be cool to have like a real logo, right? right? <laughs> like you're wishing for all of these things, mm. but what happens is, is like, especially in tech, like we get to the point where we're there and then we wish we were smaller. Really? We wish Why? we were back in the basement. Why we wish that? we were to start up again. Um, it's just like this hamster wheel. Yeah, because more, you know, once you get a thousand employees, it's a lot of different problems. Yeah, and... yeah. So everyone's like, "Oh man, I wish it was small again." I was like, "Well, wait a minute. When you were small, you were wishing you had a thousand employees." Right. And so, how do you develop a mindset where you can wish that you're going somewhere, and then when you get there, kind of be happy that you're there, and like go to the next one, and the mm-hmm. next one, and the next one? I think that's that's how you build. So when, it, but back to the question, like really, when it comes down to to, to financials is if you kind of run that same exercise and you say, hey, look, like, I want to get to a point, but it's really more about what you do when you get to that point because mm. you'll figure out a way to spend whatever point you get to. Right. It's really about, all right, is there a point that financially it makes me happy? Is there a point that it doesn't? Um, for me, like, once it gets to a point, like, it's actually pretty underwhelming. Really? Um, in the eyes of, of other people. Like, I'll, I'll give you an example. Like, um, when, when, um, when we sold our company, you would think that that would be like an exuberant day. It's high moment, yeah. Yeah, and, and reality is, is um, especially when you sell for billions. That, that wasn't that. And so if you were chasing that. That um, wasn't the mission for you. We, we didn't really know exactly how that would impact. Right. Because we'd never been through it. Yeah. But you would think it would be this overwhelming thing. It wasn't. What so was if, the feeling so it, like? It was just like, eh. Another day. Yeah, like my wife was like <laughs> scary. Like, like, like it's much more around when you saw a younger employee base where folks who worked with us got to pay off a house or That's a car. That's cool. That must have been cool. That 
that hits you harder right. than the overall thing. And so wow. for me, that taught me a lesson. What's that it lesson? It taught me a lesson that if you are only striving for that financial uh, you know, goal or hurdle or whatever it is, when you get there, you will be incredibly disappointed. And it t- kind of ties in, well, if you're going to work till you're 80 and you know how long you're going to work, actually that journey is what mm. you will look back on and say, hey, that was the mission. And so I think for us, it had much more to do with, wait, when that moment happened, when we, when we did something, who was around? Who was around? Mm. Are those the people you want to be around with? Mm. Are, um, who are you sharing it with? Wh- yeah. wh- What's the cost that it's been to get there along the way? The price you paid, yeah. The, the price you paid, because I know a lot of people who scale like one aspect of their life and they're incredibly successful and they've cr- sacrificed everything for that, but everything else is a disaster. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people who don't want to scale anything because they're afraid, you know, maybe they, they in their mind, don't think that they could do it all. And so they're smart enough, they're advantageous enough they're entrepreneurial enough, but maybe they don't want to go because they're worried or maybe they're dealt a hand on this side of the house that doesn't allow for that, whether it's health, mm-hmm. whether it's trials of another kind. And that's okay. Like that's perfectly, I mean, some of the smartest people I know and my closest friends like would never go for it. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And other people are wired different. Mm-hmm. And so I think you've got to really focus on if you know it's going to be about the journey. And there's times where I didn't know that. But what are you learning in that moment? And then if the advice was to someone starting, like, just trust me. Like, it's going to be about who you're with. Interesting. And, like, what that can become in your life and, like, not ruin everything for it. Right. Right. Because I think you've got to scale every aspect of your life to chase what everyone's trying to chase, which is ultimate happiness. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be harder and harder yeah. with where the world's at like, right. to find it. Yeah. Even though you might be successful or something else, it's like, how do you genuinely become... You may not be fulfilled inside still. Yeah. It, we see it all the time. Like, yeah. all the time. And it's becoming even more transparent with social media. Yeah. Um, like, it's hard. Yeah. I'm curious, in your opinion, what is harder to scale? Zero to one million, one million to 10, 10 million to 100 million, or 100 million to a billion? Which is the hardest phase? So, I'm actually glad you brought them up that way. Mm. Because if I look at a company that's gone from zero to one million, and then you look who's gone from 100 to 500, and you look at the company and the team, it's like a band. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, the band in the basement or in high school, by the time they hit a big, you're like, wait, there's only one person that's still the same. Right. <laughs> right? And people don't understand that. They don't the understand. rest of the band is gone. Yeah, there's, like, there's a lot of people I know that are phenomenal at, like, you know, as Peter Till says, the zero to one phase, right? Yes. Like, but maybe those aren't the right people for the one to one billion or 100 to one, one billion phase. Right. Um, right. If you can hold it together, 
which like I feel so incredibly blessed wow. to have been there from the zero phase to the billion phase, mm-hmm. which will cross through a billion in revenue this year at Qualtrics. Wow. Um, but it took 20 years. And you've got to hold 20 years together. Crazy. And, you know, I probably wanted to quit 20 times, right? <laughs> like, and I think I have probably like five. Like, like it's, just, it's just holding that together. And then to be able to also do that with your dad and your brother at some level across that. Once cool. again, like, who do you want to do it with if That's you were to cool. get there? Yeah. Because everyone's like, hey, you don't want to work with family. And I'm like, wait a minute, time out. If you could make it work and you were able to have like some moments, who would you want to be around you? Right, your family. Your family. Yeah. That's who you'd want to win with. Mm-hmm. But the odds aren't in your favor. Why is that, you think? Why is it hard to work with family in so, business? So is in my ego? world, is it? Yeah, I mean, look, Jared and I, like, we would, I mean, I recruited my brother back from Google. It was a huge thing. And, like, wow. like we did not get along for the first year. <laughs> and so we got to the point where I was like, is this, is this the right thing? But then there came a point where I was like, whoa, this guy's the best co-founder in the world. He has to love me. He has to. <laughs> yeah. Right? And then also, he has to wake up in the morning and come back to work with me. He's not going to quit me. Right. Right? right. Like, like, and so we were, we were able to go deeper mm. when it came to innovation than any of the other executives we had around the table. Really? Why is that? Because our pain threshold with each other uh, were very different. So, for example, huh. when we were in a tough situation... Maybe we're on iteration two of a problem. Like we can't figure it out the first time, have another meeting, and we go at it. You know, typically people give up. They're mm-hmm. like, okay, uncle, I'm just going to give you your way. Right, right. My brother and I could go to iteration 15 or 16. Oh, my gosh. Right? Where, like, the pain threshold was, like, unbelievable. It's exhausting. Yeah. Exhausting. And stuff <laughs> was said that you're like, most, you would never say, like, but we always come out with a different solution mm. than... That was the best solution. Then we went in with at iteration two, iteration three, iteration four, iteration five. Mm. And so I, looking back and learning from that, um, I believe that the iterations and how deep you can go with people mm-hmm. are going to determine are highly you know, relevant to mm. your success. Interesting. And just because I think that you end up in a different spot. Yeah. What would you say would be like three rules of working with family? If you could go back and, and start it again, working with family, you're like, if you implemented these three ground rules together, it would support the process better. I think people just need to know their roles, right? Uh. Right. Like not everyone, like my father was, was unbelievable. I, I tell this story about my brother. I remember when we had a co-founder, Stuart, like I remember sitting in Sequoia Capital's office and we're sitting in front of everyone and they said, Hey, we're willing to give you money. This is in 2012. We were raising the largest series A round since 2008. We were in $70 million and I mean, the world's changed, but this was, I mean, this is 2012. And they looked at us and they said, we'll give you the money, but who's the CEO? And the time, what was it, two people, three people? It was just like we ran it together. We just like, we were like two in a box or three in a box. Like we all just. You're your brother and your dad. Me and my brother and Stuart and and my dad. And my dad was kind of, you know, more of like the chairman of the, he he refereed a lot, right? (laughs) Um, It was three of you. It was three of us. And he's like, and it was really came down to me and my brother. And I just recruited my brother back to Google, from Google. 
So he did not come back from Google. He was running Google China it's pretty big. to work for his younger brother. Mm. That was not part of his plan. So it was like, all right, we're going to do this together or it's not going to work. And, and they didn't like that. No, they were like, we need a CEO. And it was just crickets. Like they posed a question, it was just crickets. So here we have this money on the table <laughs> and it is quiet. Wow. Who's going to be the CEO? And I mean, it seemed like forever, but finally he slaps the table and gets up and he goes, I don't do media. It's him. Wow. Your brother says this. Yes. Wow. And from that point on, that was my role. Like I was the CEO of Qualtrics since 2012. All because he didn't want to do media interviews. Wow. Right? Yes. But what do you think would have happened if you stepped up and said, you know what, I'll be the CEO. And you're the one who took the role. I don't, I don't know. Wow. Well, first of all, and part of it becomes a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm. Like, he then became like, all right, I'm getting ready for CEO. Like, this is what you've got to do. This is how you got to be. And he became my biggest, like, advocate. Wow. And so, huh. like, we, when people would have to give me feedback on, like, where I suck, right? He was right there giving me feedback. <laughs> they would give it to him. Uh-huh. And he would digest it in a way that they <laughs> so could, you could receive it. it yeah, right? yeah. So like all of my 360 reviews were all through Jared. Right. And then he'd be like, hey, Ryan, um, and it's your brother. It's your older brother. <laughs> right, so it's right. like, let me tell you where your blind spots are. Right. This, 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 and this. And I'd be like, well, what about this? And like, so I take like so much of my, like anything that I've accomplished from, from having that, but also the role and everything that was, was set up there. And so I, I don't know. I think, I think having a role and a strong role is, mm. is critical with anyone, with, with especially family. with family. Yeah. So knowing your role. Yeah. Knowing your role. That's I number think, one. Um, number two would be, I mean, I don't know that there's three, there's, three, <laughs> tell you, there's like three lessons with the mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think number, number two is really understanding that no matter what happens, nothing's bigger than the relationships and no one's mm. going to get between you. I mean, we always had this rule that no one got between Jared and I. Mm. Right? Right. And I don't think it ever happened. And people were always trying to get really? between us and break us up. Why? No, I don't, think, I don't think people would try to. But when you're dealing with thousands of people, like, there are certain folks, like, that would either go to one of us or go to the other and... Sometimes it would happen over and over again, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, or there were topics that were based around people that we didn't agree on. And maybe sometimes it was always the same scenario with the same people. Mm-hmm. Everyone needed to know that this was thicker than anything else. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Right. And I think anyone who's had a co-founder at scale, that's a common thing. Right. But with a sibling, like that could that could always be there. Right, and then, okay. and, and I think part of that's the the third one is like if you do it right, like you have a chance to like like the upside of this is is worth it, you mm-hmm. know. And I have a I have I have a friend who's a professional athlete who who um, called me about working with a family member and asked me this exact same question. Yeah. And it was a critical role for this person where it'd be very visible, very uh-huh. part of him. And I said, well, first, imagine when you've got the championship and it's the two of you together. 
Oh, it's got to feel and good. And it was just like, it was like a tear shed moment for this individual. I was like, but. But <laughs> <laughs> it could like, be a like mess as well. Way, right? <laughs> and so this is really like how you have to look at it. Yeah. I feel like honest communication consistently is the only way also. It's like radical honesty. Yeah. Radical transparency is like one of the things that we, we have. And really? But that, that's, that's just that trust and nothing's going to be get yeah. between you and everything's yeah. like Yeah. Wow, right. that's crazy, man. What, um, I'm sure, I'm assuming you have a lot of high net worth, wealthy friends or acquaintances, uh, peers. What would you say is the best strategy once you've accumulated a certain amount of wealth in order to make sure that you continue to have happiness and joy and not just like, okay, now that I've accumulated this, I'm just going to hoard it and, you know, I'm going to play it safe or like, What's the strategy you find to continue to build wealth and fulfillment at the same time? I don't, I, I'm going to be honest with you, I just don't think about it a lot, mm-hmm. right? Um, from people that I see that have done that, um, the ones that I admire the most are the ones who, um, first of all, they, they've kind of gotten it over time. Right. It's, it's really hard. Summer, yeah, yeah. It's really hard when someone has a life changing moment. You see this in sports a lot where it's like right. you go from being in college and then boom, that's hard. Like yes. I, I, did, I did not come on that journey. Right. For, for, for us and a lot of the people that I know, it's been this just little by little by little. Mm-hmm. And then you wake up and you're in a different spot. Right. Right. Um, and I think that's a little bit um, probably easier to get acclimated than someone who gets it all mm-hmm. at once. But mm-hmm. When, you know, when a lot of the big tech booms were happening out in the Bay Area, there was there was always a bunch of rules. Right. And one of them was, hey, if someone was in that spot and they were working for a Google or a Facebook and, you know, the big ship came in for them or the big bag. Right. They would say, don't do anything for a year. Don't spend it for a year. Don't do anything for a year. Like, just don't do anything. And like, I think that's from what I've Mm. seen with a lot of people, that's pretty good advice like if you if you like something write it down and if you like it a year later well then go do it yeah right, right. Do it later. <laughs> right. Yeah, don't do it tomorrow yeah but i also think that like you know no one like that's not a defining moment of mm. who you are or whatever it is and then i i think there's a there's a quote that i've always tried to live by it's like don't use the people to help you get money mm. use the money to help the people mm. right and Wow. I think the more that that is in the vision, then you really don't care about what happens here. Right. Right? Like, focus on service. Focus yeah, on people. Like, like, yeah. and, and that's, like, I, I like to work. I like to do things. Mm-hmm. Like, so as long as I'm working, then ideally I'm working on stuff that will continue to grow. Sure. Right? I'm not going to do stupid things that, like, I waste it <laughs> all, but I... There's probably a lot of things I do that don't make sense financially, like yeah. this, right? Like, <laughs> like this isn't buying like, an NBA team is not yeah, a smart well, financial. Well, no, it's not. That it's not smart. It's just like it's not about the money. Yeah. What is it about for you? I think for me and my partners, like it's about like this is an incredible platform. Yeah. I mean, the NBA is probably one of the the biggest platforms in the world. I mean, especially in the state of Utah, like it's the it's the platform and like. Right. Um, if you look at the good that can be done from the team, um, if you mm. look at the good that's happening in the NBA, if you look at everyone's um, response and how 
we've let out through COVID, if you look at how we've let out through social justice and equality, like these are things that mm. attracted me to the NBA. Right. I think maybe some people would probably say, hey, I don't, I don't, like we're the opposite. Like, like that's, that's what we love. Like mm-hmm. this is an incredible platform. Um, we're putting on a show every night for people to have an experience and forget right. about the world for a while. Right. Like in, in when people didn't have the NBA through COVID and then they came back, I, everywhere I went, someone said, hey, right, like, I forgot how much I needed that. Oh, man. Like, I forgot how much I needed that. Those three, four hours. Those three to four hours, the experience with my kids, yeah. it felt normal again. Like, I just loved it. I need something to cheer for. Mm. And that's pretty special. Like, for yeah. me, those are the things that drive it. And then, you know, doing something that's never been done. I mean, we want to win a championship in Utah. Like, Utah's had such an amazing growth. Like, we're the youngest demographic. Like, in the last 10 years, like, it is crazy the renaissance that's happened here. The demographics have changed. Like, everything's changed. And so, with the tech boom and, you know, I think, I think even COVID with people trying to kind of try to figure out who, who they are and what they want to be when they grow up, they're right. like, wait, I don't, I don't know that I want to live in a 24-story high-rise. Like, maybe yeah. I want to come and get a yard and be in the mountains, but be close to everything and, like, have career opportunities sure like this is where you know people are starting to find like wellness Mm. right in a world that's not very well yeah (laughs) right yeah that's beautiful man so it's been almost a year right since you've been here with the the jazz since you acquired jazz right yep was it last october right yeah it's um i mean it closed in December, January. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, it's less than a year. Yeah. It's crazy, man. Yeah, so, it's nuts. How does it, it feel, though, for you? Is It doesn't feel like too much, or you feel like... Because this was a dream for a while, like an idea when you were younger of, like, you used to love coming to the games, you used to, you Yeah, know. I, like, look, like, like, people get an opportunity, I think, at times to... Like, if you're lucky, you could be part of the NBA right. in some level. Um but this is like my team. This is like the team I grew up like. That's crazy, for, right? man. Yeah, that doesn't happen That's very nuts. often. And so, and then once again, it's like who you want to do it with. Right. It's like myself and Dwayne Wade and Ryan Sweeney and like these are my these are my people. Like like, they're that makes it so much fun, right? And like, um, but it's a lot of work. <laughs> like like, people care about enterprise technology, but they really care about their sports, oh, right? I love it, man. And and so you're trying to. You're trying to, to do things the right way. And I just hope we give, you know, people something to be proud of. Like, yeah. and that's, that's it. In, in, you know, the Miller family who had owned this franchise for 35 years, it's such an incredible job. It's like, it's like keeping it in Utah and doing all these things, but also, you know, second winningest team in 35 years, right? So, so if you look at that, like, there's something to be said about what you can do. I mean, we're not a small market. People view us as, we're not a small market, right? We've got... Like in every other aspect, we're not a small market. And so we, we need to bring, you know, the rest of that up. And I think we can help lead out um, in this region mm. um, to do some incredible things. So that's exciting. Where do you think winning a championship starts at? Oh, geez. Well, so first of all, I've never won one. And um, so, I mean, to be honest with you, I've talked to a lot of people who have. Mm. What have and, you learned from them? Yeah, I mean, a lot of them. I mean, last year was kind of interesting, right? Yeah. Like, like we we felt like we were really close, and we had we had the capabilities. I mean, a couple we had injuries, right? Two injuries, yeah, and it's, it's like, tough. okay, well, like, what do you, what do you do? But, but I think there's a lesson to be learned. I talked to one 
one guy who's won a couple championships and he's like, the thing about a championship is like, you never know quite what you need <laughs> until you're in the moment, mm. right? Um, I mean, you can have a pretty good idea when you're, when you're not close, but when you're, when you're close, like you never know how much you need. You just, you just have to execute, mm. right? And you just need a little bit more than everyone else. And I think if you look at how it played out this year with Milwaukee, that's exactly what happened. Right. They had a little bit more at the time, at the right time. than everyone, everyone else. And yeah. that's what makes them champions. And, and, you know, there are people, there are players, there are coaches, there are teams, there are franchises that seem to be able to bring that every time. And sometimes it doesn't all click at the very beginning. Sometimes, like, you, you have to wait, and then it clicks, and boom, 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 boom. And so... I hope we get to experience that, man. Yeah. And well, if you're going to be, be working for 40 more years, I'm sure yeah, yeah, you yeah, will. Yeah. I'm sure 40 I, the, years the of odds life. Are, the odds are good, but um, it'll, be, wow. it'll be hard too, right? Yeah, like, of course. Like, there's a lot of really... Do you, remember, really, do you remember your first game, how old we were? Yeah, it was with my grandfather, and we were actually um, you know, in, a, in, a different, in a different place. But yeah, I remember my grandfather used to take me, or he would... You know, and we'd watch. I remember more watching games. On TV? Or on TV with my grandfather. How old like, were you when you... Oh, geez, like five, six, seven. Wow. Like, like I, was, I, was a, I was a sports junkie, like, growing up. And, like, like, he loved the jazz. Like, he loved the jazz. And, like, it's just, like, it's kind of trippy to think that this is the spot that, that you're in, like, as that little kid, like, parents would drop you off. In my, my case, my parents would be like, all right, you kids, go. Go stay with your grandfather. And he was always like, what are we going to do? We're going to watch a jazz game, right? That's We're going to listen to Hot Rod. We're going to, like, do these things. And, like, that was, that was like a moment. Did you ever think, like, I want to play for the jazz or I want to own, be the yeah, owner I mean, of this? You never think about, like, being in this spot. You, I think we all thought, like, growing up, play. like, I was <laughs> like, all right. I mean, I didn't. I didn't grow up and be like, hey, I have an idea. I'm going to start a company with enterprise software, right? right? Like, that wasn't in any cards at any – I mean, look back through what you wanted to be when you grow yeah, up. It yeah. was like, I want to be a policeman, a fireman. I want to play yeah. on the PGA Tour, and I want to be in the NBA or whatever it is. Like, that's what I was. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, there was a phase I wanted to be Andre Agassi. There was a phase I wanted to be Michael Jordan. There was a phase like sure. – but it wasn't in the cards, right? I yeah. graduated high school, like 5'10", 160 <laughs> pounds, right? Like, like, that wasn't happening. So um, – was there ever a moment where you were like, it'd be fun to be the owner of this one day? Did you ever think that growing up? To be honest with you, it just, things just kind of happened. Right, like it wasn't right. like aspirational. I think in the last couple of years, I was like, look, I, I had, I'd gotten really close to Adam Silver and people mm. in the league. And I had said, whoa, this is intriguing. I, I see the value of the platform. I see the value of everything that we're doing. Were they recruiting you? No, I don't think the NBA like says, "Hey, look, they they got a long list. They don't need to recruit really? right of people who would love to have a shot." There's only thirty of these, right? And so, so there's a lot of people who want to be involved. However, um, you know, I mean, they also want to make sure that people are straight, right? Like they're they're right. like they're they're going to be good in that for the culture and the yeah organizations in, yeah. in the in the role. Like like, are they going to yeah. be a good ambassador? Right. Right. And like, cause, cause truly you are like you, you are an ambassador for the league and they, they go through a pretty thorough process, not only for myself, but any partner I bring in as well. Really? Yeah. What is that it, process like? It's, it's bunch, like a bunch of interviews, a background yeah, check. Yeah, a bunch of interviews. Like, they like know who you are. I mean, it's deep. It's detailed. 
I mean, it's, it's as thorough as any process. They don't just I've let learned. anyone with money buy the team. No, it's no, like, not at all. They have to accept you almost. Yeah, for sure. I it's mean, like an application. A hundred percent. Like, I mean, it's just uh, like, okay, is this someone that we want that's going to, I mean, because at the end of the day, you've got 30 groups or 30 ownership groups or governors that are, that's what makes the NBA. And like, mm-hmm. you, you're kind of all in it together. And so right. if you look at the people and, and the good that other groups have done, whether it's, you know, what's happened in Chicago and like the Reinsdorf family and like, or the bus family in LA, like, I mean, mm-hmm. they've, 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 they've lifted the value. And I think right. the Millers were one or Mark, Mark Cuban or now Balmer and like ourselves, like it's, um, it's, it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool group that I think is, um, it, it, I mean, we compete against each other pretty hard, but there's also, <laughs> there's, some cor- there's also some really unique some, folks. And like yeah. with Barack Obama now coming into NBA Africa that was just announced, wow. right? And, and being a, a shareholder in that to expand the game that way, like you're, you're what an amazing get, right? For, for the NBA. And like, mm-hmm. that's unbelievable. Wow. So you think you'll be working for another 40 years doing this and you think you'll keep the, the team yourself and be the main owner? I hope like, so. Yeah. Like, or, I mean, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't think, I always think of us as kind of our group, but like, yeah, I mean, I'm the one that lives in Utah. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I hope so. As long as it's like, it's right. It's fun and it can grow in you. Well, I mean, it's work, right? Yeah. I don't know. It's like, hey, I'm not sitting here going, hey, this is fun. Like, I mean, it's hard, <laughs> right? But, but if it's right, if it's supposed to be right and like you feel it, if it gets to the point where it's not, then... And then, and then, look, there's going to be windows that are miserable. I mean, that's what you're signing up for mm, sports, right? Right. Right. Losing no, seasons. No one likes to lose. This, yeah, I yeah. mean, we, we, you know, in business, like, you measure by market share. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you have this amount of market share. You have this. No one's going, hey, the Jazz had X amount of market share. That right. doesn't get you any points. It's like, right. this is a closed market and there's one winner. It's it, And man. everyone else doesn't feel great. Right. Right. <laughs> like, Dang. which is very different than a world where it's like, hey, we... You know, we win six out of ten deals. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, we're all happy. Like right. everyone's feeling great. Like mm-hmm. it's just not—it's not the same game. What do you think will be your biggest challenge that'll hold you back as a leader of the organization? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's all pretty—it's all pretty new. I'm, I, I mean, I think that um, I think the, the biggest challenge that holds anyone back is just people and your ability to bring yeah. people together and and like make it all work. Um, but, you know, I try to be a little more optimistic and think about what are the, what's the competitive advantage we have? Like, mm-hmm. what have we learned in other businesses with our group that actually is going to make us, like, actually be able to raise the game? Right, right. And, um, you know, I, I feel like some of the things that probably would hold me back, I, I try to offset with my partners mm-hmm. because maybe their strength is where I'm weak. And mm-hmm. that was definitely the case with my brother, I think, and as I've been working with Dwayne and Ryan Sweeney and Mike Cannonbrook. So like we all kinda come at it differently and so sometimes you need someone else to come in and yeah, yeah. and help and but I think I think we're the good news, I mean, all of us are in our young four we're the youngest ownership group or group that we've really? got together. Yeah, and, and that's, that's cool. cool man. That's very I cool. Mean, that's cool. Like and so I think that's uh It's exciting. Yeah. It's it's fun and it's fun to talk to people who kind of see it your way and mm-hmm. you know and I inherited a great organization. Are you kidding me? Like Donovan and yeah, man. Um, Rudy and and Quinn, 
Um, it, it's pretty. It's pretty amazing. Pretty sweet. I'm curious about um, your faith, mm-hmm. and I and I've heard that you are extremely committed to your faith and also giving back to your faith financially. Mm-hmm. Is that accurate? Yeah. Tithing sure. and giving back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You've been very consistent in that process, yeah, right? Yeah, for, for sure. And it seems like every time I, I meet or connect with someone who's accumulated a lot of wealth, they all tell me the same thing, like to give back as much as possible. And the more they give back, the more the money keeps coming to them. Would you yeah. subscribe to that philosophy or do you just feel like this is how you were raised? And No, just, I mean, it wasn't something I was raised. I mean, like, like you know, I was led on to it, but it was something I decided, right? Really? Like, like, when, like, how I old mean, were you when you decided? I was probably 18 years old. Really? You know, I was probably down a much different path in yeah. life that wasn't on the path I am now. Like, and I said, "Whoa, this, this, something's got to change." What and was so, that path like? Well, like I was, I went to Seoul, Korea, to uh-huh. teach English, and yes. at eighteen, at, eight, at seventeen, right? Did you do a mission for two years as well? Yeah, afterwards. And She's taught in Korea first. I taught in I at taught seventeen. Korea. Yeah, seventeen Before years old. Before college. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I went. I went to Seoul, Korea. It didn't go the way I planned. I went over with two friends. They came home. My dad's like, hey, you're kind of up to no good anyway, so you're not going to, if you're over there by yourself and have to kind of hit rock bottom, it's probably a good it's thing. It's good for you. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, a 17-year-old American in Korea, I mean, it, it was different. I, I, I met a couple guys in the subway and, like, ended up moving in, like, three months later after kind of sticking it out and kind of really hitting rock bottom with, with three people who... I truly were like, whoa, these are actually the type of people I want to be like. Mm. You know, these are, these are people who were having fun and actually, but they were like... Clean fun. They were clean fun. Yeah, and yeah. they were like, they were happy and they were witty and they were like, they were like responsible and they were successful. <laughs> and I was like, but they're actually more fun than that group. Right. And I was like, whoa, what, what is that? And that's where I said, like, they all had this commonality and like, we started with them. And then I, I decided, wait, I want to be like them. And, and, that's when I decided is like I want to go do a, a church mission, mm. and you know that process is kind of daunting because yeah. you like fill out your application and you pay for it. So I had earned enough money, and my brothers would have never believed me that I was wow. going to go do this. So I, when I when I told them I had enough money to pay for it myself, then they're like, oh okay, he must be serious, right? Because that's that's just how they are. But you know we we did that, and I got called to Mexico City. Mm-hmm. So I went from Seoul, Korea to Mexico City. So how old were you at this point? How I was long 19. You? So you were a right. year and a half in, yeah, in yeah, Seoul? Yeah, I was a year in Seoul and then like... Teaching English. Si- teaching English in six months and then went to... So, so like... Straight from Korea, you yeah, went to Mexico City. So from City. 17 to 21, I was only in the U.S. for like a four-month period. Wow. Four to six months, right? And there I land. I don't know, I don't know Spanish. I land with, you know, and you, you pair them up in yeah. twos. And like, like the, the first guy that I was paired up with was like, he didn't. He came from a little farm town in like northern Mexico, who spoke no English, like really. Nothing. And I spoke very little Spanish. <laughs> and I'm in the hills of Mexico City, like I'm in an altitude. It's free. Like, oh yeah, it's hard to I breathe there. Just, yeah, and I was just like, whoa, like, and that's where kind of like, it, it, like there was just you know you do that enough, and like I was there for two years, and I was all oh, Mexico City. I came back a different human, oh. right? I came back, and for the first time ever, wanted to go to college. I was a high school dropout at the, before that. I wanted to go to college, um, mm. but you can't walk in being a high school dropout who might have had a college certi- or high school certificate and say, hey, I want to go to a top university. They're like, where's your ACT? Where's your right, SAT? Right. I had none of that. And I think I had like a 
2.0 GPA or a one point something because I, I just my Didn't parents had got yourself, divorced yeah. in high school. Like it was a mess. Like my life was a mess. And so I came back in, and within six months, I was at BYU, top university, got in the top 15 business program. And started Qualtrics, met my wife, and like the world took off. Wow. Right? And so if like you look at the before and after for me, it's like, it's night and day. Right? It's like not even like, like that world was not for me. And I became in a world where like everything started going better. Everything started going right. And, and one of the things that, that was part of that is like you talk about giving back or doing, I mean, this, this concept of tithing where you give like one out of every $10 you make. When I made no money, I decided like at 21, when I started making a little money, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that program. Wow. And it, it seemed to work pretty well, right? Even when you like, didn't have a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly when you start. And so I kept asking myself along the way, if I was 21 and I was doing that program, why when I'm 24 and I have a little bit more, am I too good for it now? Mm. Why, when I'm 30 and the check size is bigger, am I too good for it? Right. If I, if I change so much that if it's a million dollars that you're giving, that that changes your decision when at 21, it's the same ratio. Interesting. And for me, it's actually become something that I enjoy. Really? Because I'm scared when the day comes when if the check size makes me change uh, the same person bigger I was check when size. I was 21. Now, it's, it's, I hear the other point of the, the, the coin where people say, you know what, I'll do that when I start making more, when I can afford to do that, because right now I'm not making that much. Why should people be contributing in some way to some, whether it be charity or church or whatever, when they have very little, when they're like, I'm just trying to get by month to month right now. Do you yeah. think it's important then still, or wait until you have savings and some money in the bank. Well, so, so I think there's a lot of different philosophies and a lot. Mm. And I, I'm never one to tell people how to, how to live. Right. Right. Um, and I think everyone needs to go on their own path. You know, I told you my path, yeah, right? Yeah. But there are some observations and some learnings that, that I've taken on my path. Number one is how do you know you're going to be at that day? Mm, right. Like, you may never get there. You may never get there. So you may never and be giving back. I have too many friends there. who have never gotten there. And they are right. never giving back. Yeah. Um, second, I think it makes you better on the path. And it's much more habitual. We are creatures of habit. Yes. And it's automatic. I think, I think, at least for me personally, I would struggle personally with my, with my kind of persona of just who I am. Mm-hmm. If I had to go develop the muscle yeah. later. Yeah. And at least mm. I wasn't trying right. to do Something. it throughout. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, but I've also seen people who have waited, 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 and then flip and focus 100% of their talents on giving and they impact and change the world. Right. You know, I think Bill and Melinda did a really good job on that when people used to criticize them. Then it was like the other way around, yeah. And then it flipped to where Warren Buffett's handing them all their money. Right, right. Right. And so... So those two, you know, right or wrong, um, mm-hmm. have actually done a pretty good job at, at giving, I mean, malaria and everything else. It's, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty yeah. if you actually study it, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, education, everything else. However, like I don't anticipate um, or, or believe that there wasn't this 
like somewhere in their line they were developing a muscle to be able to go mm-hmm. do that, yeah. right? And so, but I, I don't, there's not, it's got to be personal or it doesn't yeah. matter anyways, yeah, right? Everyone's sure. got to go on their personal journey on mm-hmm. what they think is, is good. The one thing I would say is sacrifice to where it hurts a little. Mm. If it doesn't hurt you, then like, it's not a sacrifice. What does that do for you when you're like, e, that's a, ah. It's a good litmus test. Like, mm. it's good. Like, if you're too comfortable all the time, then you're like, for me and my mentality, like, it doesn't, it doesn't make it so that you, you actually want to go achieve something. Mm-hmm. Like, I believe if I'm a little uncomfortable um, all the time, then it's a good thing. Really? Keeps yeah. me going. Yeah, it's smart. Right? Uh, if I'm too coming and I'm like, this is great. Like, yeah. you'll never hear me, like, ever be like, oh, things are going great. <laughs> right? Like, oh, how's quality? It's going great. Like, how'd you, it's going great. Like, it, it's never, I've never said that. Mm. And I, I'm often around people who are like, how's it going? Oh, startup's so amazing. I was like, <laughs> I'd like, what am I missing? Because, right. like, we're, we're for, you know, it's, I've never said that. Like, yeah. there's always, for me, just a level of uncomfortableness that we mm. continue to put ourselves in that make us, like, grow. always feel yeah. like it. And that's growth. Absolutely. That's growth. I want to ask you two things about uh, living in Korea. I mean, you, you didn't speak the language, I'm assuming, right? And so you're teaching English to people that don't speak English, and you don't speak the language. What lessons did you learn from that process of, like, Getting people to give you money who don't speak English that want to learn English to... So, so, so with Korea, something clicked in my head. Because you're right. You've got... You're trying to survive. You're over there. <laughs> There's not many folks who are like you because you're a foreigner. Mm-hmm. And especially where I was. And you've got to go figure this problem out. That's crazy. And there's really a good chance that... Um, you're not going to get it right the first time. Mm-hmm. And so for me, what really like clicked was a process. And a process that, Ryan, for the first time, you have an idea. It's on you and only you to go execute it. Wow. And if it fails, go do it again. Yeah. And go to a different idea. And I kind of found myself. Mm. I I kind of, for the first time ever, had to put my own brain and ideas to work and be able to get feedback yes. in the moment of right. like, hey, that's a bad idea. Whether it was teaching kids and what would work um, to where they would understand. And you weren't a, were a trained teacher either. Yeah, you weren't like taught how but, to but, teach but, English. But, but like even back to how do you even get people to, to, to want to have to be a teacher, <laughs> right? And I remember going to this huge apartment complex and like, I had this idea because, you know, there was just these huge buildings of where people lived. Mm -hmm. And there was like 50 of them in a row, right? Because real estate was so expensive. Like no one had a house, right? And so you'd go down to the basement of these these places where you'd go in and there was just like a hundred mailboxes. Yeah. And I thought, wow, I bet if I put my number in a note in every mailbox, like someone would call. That says, like, if you want to learn English, Yeah, like, here. I'm in the area, I'm an English teacher, like, I'm here. But, like, it seems so obvious, but it wasn't. Like, no one was doing no it. No one was doing it. How many calls did you get by doing that? But, like, I did that, and then, like, the man's like, hey, you can't put, or the, the person, whoever the person <laughs> was going, you can't solicit in there. And then, 
like, so that didn't work. Well, uh-huh. then I went back and so I changed my model. Like I went and talked to the guy first or the woman first uh-huh. and said, hey, like, let me tell you what I'm trying to do. Mm. And every one of them let me do it. That's interesting. Right. Are you and, speaking in English to them? Yeah, try whatever I could, right? right? right, right. It was hand motions, yeah. everything else. <laughs> and then and then it was crazy because back then I had a pager, right? <laughs> and that was it. Because I when people would call back, I couldn't speak to them anyways. Yeah. Because I didn't speak Korean. So I had to get a Korean speaker to respond to, tra- to the pages. Oh my gosh. Right. So I didn't think that far through it, right? Well, my phone, my pager started like I had 13 messages that day. No way. The day you right. started the, the first day. And I was like, whoa, like we're onto something. No one had done that. None of my roommates were doing that. Like no one was doing that. Well, what happened was, is there was this idea that we, we would build a schedule of teaching because mm. the less travel time you had, the more you could teach. And so now not only did I have all these families that wanted to bring me in to teach, but we also had very little travel time. Yeah, smart. And so, but it was like four or five different iterations of that. Because it was that in one I, building. It was yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. And that idea process. And they were all friends and they all right, knew each other. Right. And it was great. Wow. And so that's why, and the experience was totally different over there after that. Mm. And so, but it was an idea that wasn't intuitive that like, and then a, I thought it was over when I couldn't put those in yeah. the boxes. And then like, we tr- I didn't you give up and try yeah. and you innovate it and you go. And that's kind of how the world goes. Like mm. everyone thinks that like growth and is going to be the straight line up. And if it's not like that, it's not the lottery ticket that you're hoping for, or that you want to go, that's going to liberate um, whatever it is you're working right. on. Right. Well, actually it's not how it goes. Like you normally go and then you hit the wall mm-hmm. and you got to slide over and go up again. And so, like, actually, if you, if you zoomed in on a chart like this and you actually looked at it really closely, it would be like this. Sure, sure. Right? But it would always be going forward. And that's what I've seen. Like, I'll, I'll give you a great example of Qualtrics. Like, we started Qualtrics by targeting academics, mm. which is not a great market, right? You've got academic professors who have all day long to use your product and give you right, feedback. Right. Nowhere to go. Yeah. <laughs> and they have no money. Which yeah. is like the worst business model you would ever come up right. with. But what they're not to know, these people have to go get published. And we were selling a software where they get feedback and they get data and then they publish it. We're like, it's perfect. So we go to the top of the university and we're like, hey, we have something that all your professors can use. This is a no-brainer. All the money you're spending, you're going to say, no one bought it. Like no one wanted to make that decision. Well, then we went to the business school and we talked to the dean of the business school mm-hmm. and they're like, no, no one made that decision. So here we are with two ideas that seemed logical, but it wasn't working. Then we went to the head of the marketing department. Well, that didn't work. So we're like six months in and 0 for 3, like, once again, like, are you willing to push to iteration, mm. iteration, iteration, iteration? Well, we ended up getting, I remember I get one professor, professor Angela Lee, at the Kellogg School of Business. Mm. And Angela Lee signed up on Qualtrics. And then she told her department head to buy it. So you got then, a professor that then went up, not yeah. up, down. Yeah, yeah. And so you're starting at like 500 bucks, if right. that, right? And then you go up, and then the department head told the school to buy it, the business school, and then the business school bought it, and then another school bought it, and then another school bought it. And then three years later, 
I'm back at the university level. Right. Saying, hey, we're back. Now do you want to buy right, it? Because right. here's everyone who's coming. And they're like, absolutely. Yeah. And so our thesis and our model was right. But the way to get there mm. was three years off. Right. Because we had to go this way. Right. Well, then we said, okay, where are the, where are the other Angela Lees out there? And Angela told someone at, you know, at Wharton and then, Cal- and then Columbia and then Duke and then Cambridge and like all over. And the next thing you know, we have, you know, 700,000 academics a year that are graduating, wow. trained on our platform. It's amazing. But it started out with an idea that was directionally right, but the execution had to be different. Yeah. And so it's no different than the putting the flyers in the box. That's what happened huh. in Korea is that modeling or process actually became real. Wow. That's amazing. Crazy. <laughs> I'm curious about your mission. You got to Mexico City, um, and the mission's two years, right? Yeah. And it's you get to only speak to your family like twice a year or something? Yeah, like, now that it's like every week. But now yeah. you can FaceTime yeah, yeah, once yeah, a week, yeah, but yeah, back yeah. when you were doing it, it was yeah. like twice a year, and yeah, you didn't yeah. get to visit yeah. for two years. Yeah. What would you say were the three biggest lessons from just being planted into a new country, new city, new language, having to learn the language, having to enroll people in a vision yeah. With the language you don't understand and get rejected over and over and over again. What are those two years? The number one lessons is I would give anything for my kids to go through that. Oh, yeah. The greatest gift probably, right? The greatest gift because as much as I was able to help and talk about families and mm. like direction and North Star with a lot of people, the, the real beneficiary of all that was me. Right. I grew up. Fast. And, I mean, and, <laughs> it's and like 20 my, years and two. And my... Like, what an incredible system, right? Like, mm. I mean, you got a bunch of 19-year-olds out there, like, rolling around, like... <laughs> Trying to speak a language. We, I mean, that's young, and, like, we're doing it. It's, like, I, I'm so impressed. And, and then the organization of it all, and, like, it's, it's, it's one, of the, cool, it's one the, of the coolest yeah. things I've ever seen in any organization. I've seen organizations all over the world. I mean, it's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And... Um, I still, to this day, pull from the organizational design and the motivations mm-hmm. and, like, how it all worked. And then it's also the only time that I learned that true focus on one thing changes how you work on that thing. Mm. When there's no the, other option. Yeah, the reason, you know, and I, I think all the kids now can call home or FaceTime every week. I, I actually feel bad. I mean, I understand why, but I feel bad because going four weeks only with one mission of serving and helping other people and hmm. doing it in a region. Like I found gears. I had no clue I had. Wow. Like no clue I had. Focus and energy and resilience. Focus and, and energy and resilience and like creativity and, and yeah. like waking up and the ideas and like how you're going to differentiate and like what you're going to do and what, where, where you're going to go that day and listening and like going, where am I supposed to be right now? And wow. like, I find out that everything I learned in that actually came out later throughout our 20-year journey. Wow. At one point or another, I was like, hey, I've been in this spot before. You tapped into it. I yeah. tapped into it. And that's, and you have a breakthrough. Wow. And so I think that, I think that like, I, I don't know, like I would have never known I mean, I was, I was told by, by, by someone early on that, like, you know, you're going to be a spot 
and someone told me as an 18 year old, you'll be in a spot where you're, you'll speak in front of people and you'll do all these things. And like, I was like, no, I won't. Like, that's not in the cards. Right. That wasn't I've here. never spoken in front of 50 people yeah. in my life. <laughs> and then like, you find like doing that in Spanish. It's crazy, man. Then to go sit up in English. That's like, crazy. Like, like, it's like, yeah, I can do this. So, so, so I think for me, it's, it's, it's kind of been a process the whole way. Yeah. Um, but, but it also hasn't been perfect. Like, yeah. like, like if you follow it in any moment, like it's like, okay, once again, back to that wing of the plane, like yeah. it's down, it's messy. Mm-hmm. And people might look at it now and be like, well, look what's, what's happened. It's like, no, it's messy. Mm. Like the whole thing's messy. And so I think that operating with that, ambiguity is has been something you learn because yeah. in mexico you, you you have to operate successfully without like everything spelled out and often nothing's going to go right never and everything you plan is not going to go right and so Bye. that's that that's i mean i can't explain how yeah. valuable that's been and then to have one of the the other kids that were there with me become a co-founder of qualtrics Stewart. no way that was one of the, oh, wow, that's And cool. I had a lot of other friends that we were in college that were watching Qualtrics go, and none of them wanted to make the jump. But he did. But he operated beautifully in ambiguity. He actually wow. thrived in it. Wow. And he was used to it. And it worked out well. Where do you think you'd be right now if you didn't do that two-year mission? Everything good I have in my life, from my family, my wife, school, business, everything was tied to that. Wow, that's crazy. Call it what it is. I mean, for me, I mean, some people it's not that clear, but for Mm -hmm. me, like where I was at 18, 19, and where I was at 21, anyone who knows me knows that. Right. Anyone who who was there knows that. Transformed your life. Yeah, Yeah. this isn't like, hey, I'm going back and have this revisionist history. Like, everyone knows that. My family knows that. (laughs) Like, they they had me, they had already pegged me down a different path. Wow. They they had, they had, like, I I was the one of the four brothers that they were most worried about. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, to, to actually have a, you know, a 36, you know, 54 month transformation. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. What do you think is the greatest investment you've made in yourself besides investing in that? And what do you recommend other people that maybe aren't going to invest in a mission? Yeah. What's the greatest I, personal I, investment I, I they think, can do? I think it's a general one. Like you, like for me in that CEO moment of my brother, mm-hmm. when he decided that he wasn't going to do that and I was. <laughs> I kind of was like, damn, um, I have to be the fastest learner in the building. Oh, man. I have to learn faster than everyone. I have to act like I've been there and then figure out how to cram and like make it real. So I have to learn. That has been the number one lesson is I would much rather bet on someone who's a fast learner than someone who knows stuff. Ooh. Because if the world's going to be ambiguous and messy... It always will. It's always going to be changing. You always want the fastest learner. Interesting. Right? Because if someone knows one playbook or has been there before, sooner or later you're going to get out over the water and you're going to like have yeah, to drop right. if you don't know it. But if you're actually a fast learner, you can do it. So my, my thought on what the best investment is, is like, first of all, broad, like be in learning mode all the time. 
Yeah. And like, I, I know people like, it's funny, my, my brother, like he has this crazy list of folks that he loves to go hang out with. And he like wrote them down, like all the people that he will drop anything to go, no matter where he's at, no matter what city he is, to go be with. Wow. Because he learns a lot. And he's like, there's 70 people that I have in my life that I will like drop in. And I was like, am I on the list? Right? <laughs> like, and he's like, they're always in learning mode. Interesting. And they're trying to like, it doesn't matter how successful they are. They're curious. They're interested. Mm. They're, it doesn't matter whether the person's rich or poor or successful or not successful or how old they are. They're trying to learn from, oh, you know, I was just talking to your kid and, you know, she's five and I just learned that like they're learning. Wow. They're trying to get something out of it. And then, you know, another commonality is they have a great deal or an ability to introspect. Mm -hmm. Introspection, not only in yourself, but what's going on mm -hmm. in the moment yes. is really powerful. Yeah. So like, you Ref know. Reflecting. Yeah. Being ref aware. Reflecting, but actually learning from it. Oh, and implementing, integrating. Yeah, implementing. Yeah. And so, like, okay, what, what holes did someone else fall in that I don't have to fall in? Right. And by the way, why do I always have to look out at someone else? What did I learn last week about my ride? Yes. And what happened? It's good lessons. Those so, are great lessons. So I think that that's where it becomes very, very powerful. Yeah. Is like when those people can start learning from yeah. themselves and the ride. You've done a lot of good that people are aware of. You know, you do a lot to give back to cancer research, you're investing back that, and back in your church, you know, your community. You're very well known and respected here in Salt Lake and Utah community. What's something that you're proud of that most people don't know about you? I don't really think that way. Um, and I try not, I don't, I don't care that, like, I, I just, I feel like I just want to go work. Yeah. And kind of look back at the end and be like, if I get there, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Like, if there's an end and be like, all right, was it good? Yeah. Like, I, I think too many people are way too focused on legacy. Mm. We can't control our legacy. Right. You know, name, name, the, name the number one business person in 1700s. Yeah. Like, do you, I mean, sure. the number one in the world. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. know, 1800. I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Right, yeah. there might be two in nineteen hundred. Right. We're like, okay, great, or like that's not a after a hundred years. It's yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so that's not a legacy. And so many people yeah. are like, what's the what's the Smith like? Like, I don't just go be a good person and like yeah. do good in the moment and try to like help, but at the same time, like go make a difference and like try your hardest. Like, yeah. I am super, super, super imperfect, and like I think that like. People just, I'm just trying my hardest, yeah. just like everyone else, right? Like, <laughs> great, right? And so I think for me, like, I don't know, I think we've done a lot recently. I mean, it's been out there, it's public on our LGBTQ+, like everything that we're doing around um, equality. Um, mm -hmm. and there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that people don't see. But yeah. like, you know, at Qualtrics, at Qualtrics what, what's so crazy about where Qualtrics has evolved to, we're the experience management company. We have the ticker symbol XM. Mm. And if everything that I'm trying to help with philanthropically has to do with getting rid of a bad experience. Mm. And so I would have never thought that this business ended up to intersect with that business. Mm. Like we help companies gather feedback to improve an experience, whether they fly on a plane. But cancer is a really bad experience. Yeah. And no one wants the phone call. No. 
and you've all had it. Everyone's had it. Or if they don't, they will. And you don't know what to do. And the person who gets it, like, there's nothing you can do. That we got to do better at that. Yeah. We've got to make it so it's like, that sucks. I'm sorry. But we all know you're going to get better. Right. And there are parts of cancer that are at that point now. All right, so what can we do? And it's all about research. we got to have yeah. breakthroughs. Yeah. Right? Systemic racism. Mm-hmm. Horrible experience. I can't, I can't imagine. I can't even imagine. It shouldn't exist still. Mm-hmm. How do we get rid of it? Yeah. What are the things we're going to do? And why... And that's what, I mean, to be honest with you, I, I love about the NBA and their platform. Yeah. Like, they're leading out on it. And it's working. Right. And it's slow. Right. And there's so far to go. Yeah. But watching change, that's a bad experience. All right? If you're a transgender youth, what a hard experience. Mm-hmm. It's got to get better. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so to be in a spot where we're helping businesses, but also that's come. And so I feel like when it comes to what I want to do, whether people know about it or not, it's be a part of things that are bad experiences and say, hey, man, we're going to work on the gnarly stuff. Yeah. Because like those are three gnarly, gnarly. I mean, cancer's not yeah. for the faint of heart if you're going to go work on it. No, it's not fun. Especially if you're going to raise money to that problem or bucket called cancer. Crazy. Like, that's hard. Yeah. But we're doing it every little step of the way. And if we wouldn't have started 10 years ago, we wouldn't have been where you're at now. Yeah. Where we're at now. Yeah, yeah. That's beautiful. So, How can uh, people get involved in the charities and the work you're doing? How can they connect with you personally or... Yeah, web, just, websites or would like for me just I'm at Ryan Qualtrics on Twitter. That's that's about all I'm doing. So I can't handle more than that between email and that. Like, right? But just DM me, right? Okay. And then um, and the cancer if someone's yeah, involved, fight for the fight, like fight for the five, fi- five for the fight, five for the fight. Yes. Yeah. And so here's what's crazy. Like we started. Like this is how this is this is a crazy story, bro. Tell me. Here's a crazy story. So the Utah Jazz contacted me at Qualtrics and said, hey, we, we actually were bidding out the stadium signage on who would sponsor the stadium. Yeah. And I was like, well, that'd be cool if it was Qualtrics Arena. Nice. Right? We didn't get it. <laughs> right? A month later, they called and said, hey, the NBA is going to open up a patch on the jersey. And I was like, wow, Qualtrics would be on the jersey. That'd be cool. Right? So we get down the road. I'm super interested. No one's ever done it before. It's going to be multiple millions of dollars is how we're going to go. And at the same time, we had started this foundation called Five for the Fight. And we, we had this idea that we're going to get everyone to give $5 for cancer. Mm-hmm. Instead of like, okay, rather than one $20 million, which right. a lot of people do, it's like you need the big wells to come in and do yeah, this. Yeah. No, no. Five like, bucks. No, this is everyone's fight. 10 million people do it. There's $50 million. Like, let's roll. Oh, you know. And we're about ready to ink the deal on the Qualtrics side. And Mike, who works with me, and like we're, he goes, Ryan, like we have this principle at Qualtrics called all in. Like nothing good happens unless you're all in. Mm-hmm. Right? And this is like the mission. Why the mission's so good is like you're all in. 
Korea was so good, I was all in. I couldn't turn back. Right. <laughs> and if you think about it in your life, like, unless you're all in, like, nothing good's going to happen. Right. No relationship's going to go well. Mm-hmm. And so that's another conversation. Like, <laughs> hey, you got to go all in on whatever you're doing, right? Yeah. He goes, so are we all in on cancer? I was like, well, what do you, what do you mean? He's like, well, we're all in on cancer. We're putting it on the patch. Wow. And I was like, whoa, like, I want to see Qualtrics on there. <laughs> but you're like, that would look cool. Like, this is the sacrifice. This is the pain. Ooh, you're like, ah. Uh. And we called the league, and the league was like, no, just put a logo on there. We're not putting a nonprofit on there. You're not raising money on this. And the Jazz and the Millers, like, dug in. They were like, no, this is, like, what we want to do. Like, we want to do this. And so we were the first sponsorship in professional sports to actually have a non U.S. professional sports to have a nonprofit on there. That's sick. Right? That's sweet. It wasn't my idea. I'll right. be honest with you. It you didn't want to do it. You were like, it was my idea. <laughs> like, ultimately, I made the decision, and I went to our board and said, hey, this is the most expensive marketing campaign we've ever done, and there's no mention of our name on it. Oh, man. They literally oh, my thought gosh. that I had lost my mind. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it was, the mo- it was the most expensive campaign by probably 3X. Oh, and you got zero direct zero benefit. Zero direct benefit. Oh, man. Well, we've ended up raising close to $30 million. Wow. And it's it still, there's time. I remember the first year, like Donovan Mitchell won the slam dunk contest, and it's like, fight for the fight. And like, you, you have this first thought, second thought. And the second thought's always <laughs> right, but your first thought as a human being is like, wow. Like, but it's become such a powerful thing that mm. there's, no, there's no first thought anymore. Wow. It's always the second thought. It's always like, this is right. And um, that's beautiful. Adam stood up in front of all the governors mm. and, and the ownership of the, of the league and said, and talked about this. That's cool. And who would have known that that is where I developed a relationship with the Millers mm. to be here? That was before. That was before. That was before. It was my first affiliation with Utah Jazz. Didn't even have season tickets. When was this? A couple of years ago, or is this? Yeah, five years. Wow, that's crazy. So I don't know that we'd be here for that. One for that. For that sacrifice and that commitment to well, service just and yeah. getting to know them and like them going, all right, we're going to partner and having wow. trust because they could have sold the team to so many different people. Yeah, of course. And they came and said, no, like we they like all came and to. said, like this is for you. And you and Ash and you're like, let's go. That's amazing. That's an inspiring story. Uh, and that's fiveforthefight.org. So people can go there and they can donate and learn more about yeah, what you guys are up to there. and start a Five for the Fight campaign. There you go. Right? Like we have, we have high schools that like have Five for the Fight on their jerseys. Amazing. They do something, any Amazing. project, like any kid, they want to do a project, do a Five for the Fight campaign. $5 for cancer. You take Five for the Fight, brand it yourself, do it, do it um, you know. You could do anything like Laguna Beach fight for the fight campaign. Right, right, like, right. like that's what it, it's. It is a crowdsourcing, and it all goes to cancer research. We don't take a dime. The patch isn't paid for it. We donated the patch. Wow. And our goal is to raise fifty million dollars in 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 ten years, and that's not. We'll we'll do more than that. Yeah. But we want to do it through five and small at a time because it brings everyone to realize it's our cause the community yeah it's beautiful man i love the mission i love the story uh this is a question i ask everyone towards the end of our interviews and it's called the three truths question so it's a hypothetical scenario i'd like you to imagine that uh, you've been working for 40 more years and you got another however much longer to live but for whatever reason it's your last day 
and you've got to take all of your messages and uh, work, it's got to go with you to some other place. No one has access to this information or anything you've ever shared before. It's all gone. But you get to leave behind three things you know to be true or three lessons from your life with the rest of the, of the world. I call it three truths. Mm -hmm. What would you say are those three truths for you? And so would other people read them? Yes. Other, the world would have access to this, but this is all they would have access to. Yeah. No other lessons from you or messages or videos or audio or books. or It would all be just this. I mean, one of them would probably be like, what really mattered like mm. it would probably be like mm -hmm. and i've seen enough people that are close to the end mm. who have kind of gone through something like that yeah and their truths are like people matter mm -hmm. and the people around you and yeah. i think um that's that's something that we lose track of yeah people matter people matter um number two is it's about the journey the journey yeah, is yeah. the destination. Of course. And I know that that seems really obvious, but like that's 100% true. Yeah. And then probably number three is like God is real. Yeah. <laughs> like it has to be, right? And mm -hmm. so like that's, that's where that is. So I have one final question before I, I ask the question, Ryan. I want to acknowledge you for just being a, you seem like the realest guy. Seem like a realist guy who has put yourself through different scenarios to overcome, transform, grow up at different stages of life, and also give back in a big way. And I think that's really inspiring. You're a great model for what's possible. Being a great father, great husband, great man of service as well. So I really acknowledge you for constantly showing up. I'm not supposed to be here. <laughs> right. But you made it happen. Well, you showed we're, up we're and did the work. we got to continue to make it happen, You're Consistently right? doing the work, like, man. Like it's it's this this isn't like It's amazing. You just put your head down and go and and like try to be normal. It's amazing, right? man. I appreciate your normalness. Okay. It's really all cool. Right, final final question for yeah, you. What's yeah. your definition of greatness? So first of all, I think it's what is your definition, right? Mhm. Mm you you asked the question the right yeah, way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too many people believe that someone else's definition is what your greatness should be, mm. is how to talk about that. Don't let yeah. anyone else ever determine what your success is. Yeah. Because this is, you have your reasons for doing things. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you focus on that, but um, for me, it's like, if I'm in that last moment or whatever, and first of all, people are at my funeral, must do something right, right? <laughs> like, you, you know, we talk about like sacrificing everything to the point where it's like, hey, like, great, you were successful, you did all this, but no one wants to go to your funeral, right? Right, right. Like, I mean, that's a good litmus test, right? And, and you go to funerals and like, back your way into it. Go to someone's funeral, listen to what's said and ask yourself, like, what's gonna be said about you, mm, yeah. right? Like, what did you, and, and often it's, the quiet people who might not be the most confident out there mm. that just go around this earth that you might not think they, and then you show up and like there's 500 there. people yeah. that had the exact same experience when you thought it was just you and right. you're like, whoa, that person just was on a mission. Right. And they, they said hi to everyone. They stopped by everyone's house. They did all of these different things. Mm. That was who they were and you're like, Oh my word, like they were dialed in. Like yeah. they knew, like they were on this journey that I only saw one 
one thousandth of it. Right. But they did it to everyone. Mm. I thought I was special and had this special relate, and then everyone had it. Wow. That's and you're like, whoa, that's scaling. That's like, that's, and you've seen that. Like, yeah. I mean, like, whether it's like, okay, was Kobe greatness? Like, look at the people that, mm-hmm. like, he impacted. Yeah. Right? Or look at, like, quiet people, right? And, and I, I don't know. I just, I think it's just, just try your hardest every day. Yeah. And, like, you know, get a little uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think that you'll probably be in a good spot. There you go. My man, Ryan. Thanks, man. Appreciate it, bro. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, the conversation with Ryan, make sure to share this with a friend. You can copy and paste the link. You can share this link anywhere on social media or text a friend right now. And if this is your first time here, click the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or Spotify right now, as well as leave us a rating and review and let us know the part you enjoyed most about from this conversation with Ryan. And I want to leave you with this quote from Albert Einstein, who said, strive not to be a success, but rather to be of value. And I believe that's what this life is all about. It's about being of value and the more valuable you become for other people the more successful you'll become in return and i want to remind you if no one has told you lately my friend that you are loved you are worthy and you matter i'm so grateful for you i hope you enjoyed today's show and as always you know what time it is it's time to go out there and do something great